Welcome to Private Banking Strategies Podcast with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks, your secret weapon to protect your assets and never have to start over financially again. Vance and Seth help high net worth individuals, families, business owners, and investors structure an asset-protected, tax-free fortress for their families. Learn how to keep what you earn and use the velocity of money to create your own private banking system. Join us on this journey as we explore the secret strategies of the rich and political elite and help you take total control of your financial security. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Private Banking Strategies with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks. Today, Vance is going to be telling us a story of how one gentleman actually used the private banking strategy to finance equipment. So I'm really, really interested to hear this. Vance, what's this story all about? Well, it's an opportunity to do and put into action things that we do on an everyday life and turn them to our benefit instead of someone else's, mainly the banks. Mm -hmm. The banks always get the money back. So we have a lot of wealth, a lot of money flow through our hands on a day-to-day basis. But the problem is it just keeps going. It comes into our control. We get to spend it one time, and then it goes out. And so I'd like to relate actually a true story. This story is about a nephew of Nelson Nash's and and the charts and everything that we're going to make available again for this podcast. We'll give you that uh, information in the notes, but uh, it's in Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. This nephew, his name is Paul. We're going to, I'm saying it's Paul, and I'm also going to use his last name as Bunyan because these guys are lumberjacks. They're in the lumber business, the lumber company. This young man, when he was 13, when, when Paul was 13, or excuse me, 30 years old, he lost his dad to a logging accident and inherited a small logging company. And as uh, and a 30-year-old, they've kind of arrived at where, what they're doing, and, and he really understood his dad's business, looked at the numbers, and immediately saw, this is going to be a great business for me, so I need to set up a retirement plan. So he called his uncle. Nelson Nash came in and said, what are you looking for? And he said, I need to set up a retirement program. He said, okay, let me go do some numbers for you. He said, how much do you want to put in? He said, I can put into my retirement program $40,000 a year. This is where I thought... I had Nelson in his book because my job is dissecting and doing the numbers and making sure from reality versus theory. So I thought this was a theory test that Nelson had. And when I called him on it and talked to him, he said, Vance, what's in this book are personal things that actually happened in my extended family. That's why I found out this this was a nephew and a 30-year-old, I thought, because it had never happened to me, what 30-year-old's going to invest or put $40,000 into a life insurance premium mm-hmm. when they could do so much more? Anyway, he came back with an illustration. And I know the uh, audience can't see this, but I don't think it's necessary for, for right now. It had this young man putting in $40,000 a year for the first four years from 30 through age 33. So that's that's four payments, $160,000. And he said, if you want, you can quit after that. And he goes, I can quit? He says, yeah. 
because by the time you're age 65, there will be over $1.5 million in cash value guaranteed by the insurance company. And you can withdraw. I just worked the numbers out for you. $92,000 a year income tax-free every year for the rest of your life. Eric, does that sound like a pretty good retirement program to you? Yeah, I'm digging it. I like that. <laughs> Again, sure. the internal rate of return wow. was over 5%, 5.5%. These are life insurance contracts. Now, granted, contracts way back then <laughs> were a little bit different than they are today. Mm -hmm. And tomorrow's contracts will be a little bit different than, than ours today. But this is how it works. So he told the, we're going to call it Paul, that this is your program. And he immediately set it up and went into it. And said, hey, that's pretty good. And maybe after four years, we'll work on something else. And as an afterthought, Nelson turned back to him, and he actually acted it out for me, by the way. He mm. just kind of turned around and said, oh, by the way, you've got all this equipment out here. You're leasing that, right? He says, yeah, I have to pay $16,000 a month. Wow. He says, well, next time one of those pieces of equipment come up in, in a couple of years uh, from now, call me because I'll, I think I can show you how to self-lease some of that equipment. And sure enough, in year four, he, he just made the payment. He's got four logging trucks. And he asked Nelson, he says, you told me to call you the next time one of my pieces of equipment came up uh, for lease. I uh, leased my logging trucks. He had four of them over a four-year period of time. That puts 400,000 miles on my trucks, and I trade them in for another one. Can I do something? And he says, well, I don't know. Go get the leasing paperwork on the new one. And he actually shows that leasing paperwork in his book. But I want to tell you a little bit more. Let's give you a little more background on this business, this company. This young man had a small logging company, he had four logging trucks. Mm -hmm. And out in uh, Washington, Oregon area, they call these D8 cats you know, bulldozers, mm -hmm. tractors. They call them tractors. These things sweep in and make a road almost in one pass. Mm. And he, he's got two of those, and he's got one tree shear. So when that timber falls down, this tree shear picks it up, run it through a bunch of blades, and it becomes an instant log. It just trims all the branches off in five seconds. What we don't understand is that a tractor or a bulldozer cost twice as much as a truck and a tree share cost twice as much as a tractor and so he's got sixteen thousand dollars a month being paid to the leasing company wow and i don't know if any of you out there in the listening audience have ever leased anything what do you get back once you make that lease payment nothing really I mean, nothing I, yeah i i lease if, personal my wife and i leased okay. a minivan Worst mistake of our lives. Oh, my Lord. Uh -huh. It was just, it was 600 and I think $640 a month to lease that minivan because I had three TVs, guys. I mean, this was, this is state of the art. And I'm thinking, wait a second, I'm driving. I don't get to watch any of these TVs in this thing, but it was, it was a bad decision. Yeah. Three years of regret. Okay. That was the situation. So he went and got a, the paperwork on the new lease and 
I've got the actual paperwork in his book. It's a 1984 Peterbilt, mm. new back then was sixty five thousand seven hundred ninety bucks. They were going to give him thirteen thousand and some change in a trade in. So he's going to finance sixty two thousand six hundred dollars over a forty eight month period of time. So they look down here uh, on the lease, and that's going to be approximately $1,502. So we're just going to say $1,500 uh, a month in the lease payment. So he brings that back to Nelson. Nelson comes back with a illustration showing him how he can finance that. <clears throat> Excuse me. At that time, he had one hundred and $57,000 in cash value after he made that fourth uh, year payment. So he had more than enough to do the lease. So he reached in and he borrowed that money and set up the lease company, the leasing with himself as the money person and his company still leased it, but the payment went to him. So as we look down over the life of an individual, and again, this is something maybe we'll, we'll point out a little bit later on, but every four years, this illustration showed him releasing another vehicle mm -hmm. and paying himself back $18,000 a year because 15 times 12 is 18, right? <laughs> Sounds good to me, yeah. But I want to show you the difference instead of 1.5 now there's just under two million dollars in the account and his income goes from 92 up to a hundred and twenty five thousand dollar tax-free income and this young man does his own math and he goes wow by self-financing i just increased my net worth or my retirement account by $500,000. He goes, yep. He said, well, is there any risk here? He says, nope, this is all contract. But because you leased it, you put all the payments back in. We were able to build that. He was able to build that contract so that he could put the interest back in as well. Hmm. Okay. And it grew an extra $500,000. Now, he didn't change anything. That $1,500 a month was going out somewhere, but it just went into his account instead. So he put a little bit of money to work, $52,000, then over a 30, about a 32-year period of time or so, it was an advantage of over a half million dollars. So he's thinking, well, look, that was only $52,000. Uncle, can I lease two vehicles? And he goes, sure enough, he can do it because, again, he's got $157,000 or $54,000 in his account at that time. So if that's the case, every single vehicle he's able to finance, if it's at the same time, he's going to make another $500,000, and he shows the illustration that it does. He gets very, very successful here, and this young man gets extremely excited that, look, I realize now that, look what, what the leasing companies are making on me over a lifetime. 
when I release and release and release and release, they make all the money. I have to earn that income over again, and uh, it's not doing me any benefit. But if I'm the bank, the leasing company, I get the advantage. So, yes, there's now just under $2.5 million, and his tax-free income goes up to 150000 So, each week, just each truck is worth $25,000 more in income and about a half a million dollars towards his retirement account. And that's not to mention the death benefit. The death benefits on the second one put him up to almost $4 million that he passes to heirs income tax-free. So... That's the story. There's a lot more to it here, but there's a lot I've gone over mm-hmm. that we need to go in and dissect. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to do that in just a moment. But first, we're going to give you a little bit of contact information, audience, so that you can reach out. And they've got all sorts of documentation that you can ask for and, and take a look at, a Loom video that they're going to uh, create for this so they can go through it and you can watch it. And it'll make it really, really clear. So here's that contact information. Do you see yourself in that story? Do you feel like you are generating a lot of revenue but are not moving forward as fast as you would like? Are you ready for help? Please call Private Banking Strategies at 817-200-4777 or visit us at www.privatebankingstrategies.com. All right, welcome back. Thank you so much for sticking with us. It is time to dissect that. Just like Vance said, Seth is going to go through how the seven pillars really relate to this story and and what was being done to to make this happen. Seth, go for it. Thanks, Eric. The first part of this story that sticks out to me is the fact that this, this client, Paul Bunyan, started at age 30. And this is a shout out to all of the young listeners to really pay attention. And that is that there's great wisdom in starting private banking strategies now. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a 35-year-old story. Vance, he mentioned this Peterbilt equipment, the first one financed was in 1984. So it's about a 35-year-old story. And at the end of the this scenario, which we're going to make a video available, which breaks down a spreadsheet and these illustrations showing each one of these heavy equipment financing purchases and additions and, and how the, that played out with his retirement income. At the beginning of his retirement, he's pulling out over half a million dollars, and and that's in today's value. And the way that I get there is taking a 35-year-old value and taking 3% inflation average over the last 30-plus years, and you're mm-hmm. getting to a much higher number. So in today's numbers, Paul Bunyan was taking between five hundred and $750,000 out a year, and he left wow. a $5 million tax-free death benefit to his heirs. Number seven of the uh, seven pillars of private banking stri- strategies is legacy value. Well, creating a $5 million tax-free gift to your beneficiaries is certainly legacy value. And simply by 
putting to, to work the money that he already made. He didn't go out and invest in other investments that he hit a home run with. He didn't work harder. He didn't take second jobs on. He simply did what he was already doing, but instead of giving the money away to regular banks and letting them make the money off of him, he began to cycle that money through his own family bank. The, the next important part of this story is kind of concentrates on pillar number four, and that is the velocity of money, getting multiple touches on the same dollar. Mm-hmm. And this is one where people routinely get hung up. They go, well, how can I spend a dollar more than once? And the way that you spend a dollar more than once is you first deposit it into your own bank, and then you lend it to a borrower, which is yourself or an entity that you structure, and that's a second touch. And then you put that same dollar to work in some form of investment that spins out cash flow for you, and you pay your bank back. That's the, that's the very simplistic flow chart of getting mm-hmm. multiple touches on the same dollar. And there are folks in our client base and others that Nelson has worked with that have had many, many more touches than I thought ever conceivable on the same dollar in the way that they cycle these structures. So it's really only bound by your own creativity and your own imagination and and financial acumen. Those two pillars to me are a slam dunk. Now, that's not even touching the fact that it grows tax-free. It never went backwards. It's asset protected. And he never has to go to the bank again when his bank is capitalized and seek financing on bank terms, Mm -hmm. on their interest rates, on their term schedules, their amounts. And we all know that banks, they'll lend you money when you really don't need it. But it's when you need it that things get a little bit tighter, as we all figured out if you were in real estate in the last mortgage crisis, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. This is this is the perfect investment, and it's the perfect use of, of money that someone already has cash flow on. So business owners and entrepreneurs out there who already have cash flow and are already using traditional banks to finance those businesses or make those investments, they, they need to strongly consider this and understand how it works. Yeah, and, and I, I know that I have the notes sitting in front of me, and, and I love kind of reading through and seeing the different things. And I know that you touched on it, but pillar number six is actually labeled guaranteed financing. That would be great to not be declined or have somebody say, well, we want all these proof of income and we want all these credit checks and everything else to, to be able to say, you know what? I've got it in my personal bank. I'm going to you know, grow my business. Therefore, I need to lease some new equipment, whatever the business is. And it's guaranteed, guaranteed financing because it's my own bank. I love that. Exactly. And- Yeah, Eric, wouldn't it be wonderful if you get in the middle of it and all of a sudden the economy changes and all of a sudden things get really tight? How hard would it be to refinance things at your bank? Oh, yeah. No, they're going to say, we we like our money. Let's just stick with the plan. No, I mean your your personal bank. Oh, at my own personal bank, yeah. No, then then I guess I'm the decision maker, or or my my wife is one of the two. <laughs> you can easily do it, right? You yeah. don't have to. You know, you just you restructure it. You just don't want to not pay yourself back. It just may take a little more time, and mm-hmm. it's easy to do because you're getting the interest off of it. So you can take as long as you want, right? Yeah. Wow. All right. Great. Is there more to this story? Oh, there's so much more. (laughs) Okay. 
So I, I know that we're, we don't have a ton of time on today's podcast, but what are some, what are some of the other things that we're going to be talking about on the next one? If we're going to continue the story about Paul Bunyan, what are we going to dive into on the next one then? Well, just like I, I want to have other maybe small business owners understand that there's something here without changing really what you're doing, without having to work harder, to be able to put your assets to work in a manner that will do, you know, solve multiple issues. And that's what uh, Seth is saying as well. So I want to carry out, I want to show how this young man literally was able to finance his entire inventory of equipment and what that results to. Seth has touched on it, but each step along the way, there's something more for all of us to take home and to mm -hmm. learn so that we can really get in depth in this. Eric, here's what I really like about this, and it kind of cycles back to what I was saying, is how this is only limited by your creative imagination and your business acumen. He, he came to his uncle looking for a secure retirement. He wanted to have enough for retirement. That's pretty insightful for a 30-year-old. But he, he didn't even realize that he was doing something wrong. Uh, well, what was wrong? He didn't realize that he was meat for the bank. He was just mm -hmm. cattle on the field and that the bank was making all the money off of him when he could have been making that same interest income through his own family banking entity. Now, when he caught the concept that, that Nelson taught him, whereas this is going to give you $92,000, that was his first uh, stopping point, $92,000 a year at retirement age. So yeah. he's going to work this plan for about 35 years, and he's going to be able to pull out $92,000 a year tax-free, no early withdrawal penalty, no late withdrawal penalty, didn't matter what tax income bracket he was in, Didn't wasn't tied to the stock market, wasn't going to get wiped out with any type of market disaster or correction. It certainly wasn't a hope for the best plan. It was a rock solid guaranteed plan with a company that has never gone bust. And this strategy has been in play for over two, 200 years. Mm. So this story highlights how most Americans, they feel like they don't have enough for retirement. They're going to run out of money before they, they need it. And they're going to die poor, broke, and disgusted. Mm -hmm. Well, this gave him the, the security and the ability to, to rest assured, know that he was going to have enough money. And 92000 was just the first stopping point. In the illustration that Vance walks through in the video that we'll make available to our audience, the, the end game was, like I said, 250 This is the next stopping point, mm -hmm. 500 Each time he began to add more equipment in his business to the financing schedule, he just exponentially grew. And that's what we call tailwind. I've mentioned that in prior podcasts and we've we've discussed that some. That's tailwind behind your plane giving you lift and acceleration and momentum as opposed to headwind, which is what you get when you use other banks. Yeah. This story illustrates that perfectly just like the auto financing one did, except this is auto financing on steroids. Yeah. Wow. All right, guys. Well, this has been fantastic. I know that there we've got a lot more to cover for Paul Bunyan on the next episode, so I'm looking forward to that. Any other closing thoughts for today's podcast? I just hope that people understand that there is something that you can do without having to work a lot harder. We've always been taught, well, if you want to change your outcome, work harder, mm -hmm. spend less, cut back. 
that's not what you have to do. The game is who ends up with the money. Yeah. And we've yeah. got to figure that out. So, yeah, I just can't wait to show you the rest of it. And, yeah. and the banks aren't going to tell you, right? I mean, the, the banks aren't going to divulge this information and tell you to do it a different way besides them because they want the money. And that's what none of us have known yet, right? So that's why I'm, I'm so excited to be a part of this podcast. I appreciate your guys' time and the information you're bringing forward. So Vance and Seth, thank you so much. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Private Banking Strategies podcast with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Vance and Seth come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Private Banking Strategies, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Did that story feel like it was about you? Do you feel you should be making more progress toward your financial goals? Do you feel stuck? Let us help you get unstuck. Are you ready to take action and get your own private bank? Please call Private Banking Strategies at 817-200-4777 or visit us at www.privatebankingstrategies.com. Thank you for listening to the Private Banking Strategies podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of private banking strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.